Welcome, everybody, to the Badass Ladies Club podcast. I'm Laurie. I'm here with my friend Jessica. Hey, guys. And today we're talking about the culture of competition between women and the rise of the love cat generation. Um, this is an episode that I'm so excited to get out there to everybody. And we have a very special guest with us. Um, probably the uh, reason that we call them love cats. Her name is uh, Danielle Schultes. And uh, Danielle is one of our coworkers and a hair enthusiast, a makeup guru, and a photographer. Uh, she's super awesome. And we're going to learn a whole lot more about her right after Jessica tells us about our badass of the week this week. All right, guys, our badass of the week is a celebrity. We've mostly been sticking with people who we know or who we've heard speak or who we've met. We have not spoken to or met this person nope. yet. Not yet. So our badass of the week is Lizzo. <laughs> God, Lizzo. <laughs> For those of you who don't know who Lizzo is, if you've been sleeping under a rock, Lizzo is an American singer, rapper, songwriter. She plays the flute with her raps. She's a renaissance woman, really. It's like. really amazing. She is also a body positivity icon. Um, she is from Detroit, but you know, uh, moved to Houston for a while. She's been to Minneapolis, all places that... We have connections to and all that. So um, I so adore Lizzo and everything that she stands for and everything she's been putting out there. Did you guys see her Halloween costume? I did not. What no. was she for Halloween? She was the fly on Mike Pence's head. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> Which of course I don't care <laughs> who you vote for. That's just funny. That's hilarious. I'm entertained. So um, I thought that that was so great. But no, for real, if you don't follow her on Instagram, please do. Um at Lizzo be eating. Um, she's so funny and so positive and wonderful. And I love her TikTok too. If you don't follow Lizzo say, on TikTok. TikTok is incredible. Yes. And that's a great way that I think you could get a hold of her. Uh, I yes, feel like cause she does respond here. a lot to TikToks. Lot. Oh man. Well, that's what I'm going to do. I love her music. I love her presence, but I super love how she is encouraging and empowering people to just do you and to mm -hmm. love it and embrace it and live it. And that if you can truly feel yourself, that other people are going to feel that too. And that that is a message that uh, I can get behind. And it's not even that she comes out and says it. I feel that because of her behavior. I feel yes. it because of the way that she runs her business and her life, you know, like it radiates through it just, her. Yeah. It's in her lyrics. Yes. You know, you just listen to her albums and I mean, heard you say, I'm not the baddest bitch you lie, you know, okay. Lizzo, get on this podcast right now. Cause we have so much to talk to you about. And I especially think that she would be a great, um, contributor to the conversation that we're having today about how to get around this competition between women and really change that uh, narrative. So Lizzo, we're going to send you some goods. I hope they find their way to you. And <laughs> uh, we want to get you on this podcast, either in person or virtually you are officially invited. Yes. All right. So uh, our good friend Danielle's here hanging out with us today. Hi, Hi Danielle. Hi. Um, so really Getting into this concept, the idea of being in competition with other women, I, uh, I, we have a little bit of a panel today and we've talked a little bit about like the generational gap that we have between us where I'm right around nine years older than Jessica is. Jessica's right around nine years older than Danielle is. So we have like this, uh, perspective of the culture of competition between women and how that's evolving just over the last 30 years or so, mm -hmm. you know? Um, that when I grew up that I got this message that, um, you have friends, you have girlfriends, but that you are in constant competition with the other women in your life. I don't know where that message came from. I do remember, and I think it was something I mentioned to Jessica and she said she had never heard the statistic, but when I was growing up, 
there was a movie called Sleepless in Seattle. It was like Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. And there was this funny ha-ha statistic that it was easier for a woman over 35 to get struck by lightning than it was to get married because there were so many women over 35 not disgusting? and so, so few gross. men, you know, like for them. And so I remember, and I'd heard that before that movie came out, but when the movie came out, I was like, okay, I've seen sleepless in Seattle granted many years ago, but I just don't, that did not stick with well, me. Well, it hung with me. And, but like I said, also, I think because I had heard that and before previously and the first thing that resonated with me was like, okay, so why is it so important to get married before 35 or after 35 or any of the above? Um, but just that constant, like, there's not enough to go around. There's not enough jobs for women. There's not enough opportunities for women. You did see in my growing up, a lot more women opted for the family homemaker, you know, like that, that was, um, you know, like the direction that you were supposed to go. And then if you had a career, you had opportunities that those were kind of like side stories to your staying at home and taking care of the kids situation. Um, and so then the competition was strictly for men, but the women that did break out of that and they did have careers and they did have a life outside of the home, that there weren't very many jobs for women like that, that you really were breaking the mold if you went out and decided that you were going to have a career instead of having a family. And so I do remember having this message that was always given to me that you, if you were going to be a lady in the career force, that you had to be at the top of your class. You had to be making the grades. You had to do the college. You had to make sure that you got the apprenticeships and that you really went for your career path. Because if you didn't, there wasn't very many opportunities for women out there. And so you had to hit it twice as hard. So, um, that was kind of my take on it. Did you guys ever get messages like that growing up that there was this culture of competition between women? Um, I think that I, did. I don't remember distinctly certain things, but I do remember there being this kind of expectation that you become the best or you become irrelevant. Mm. Mm. Granted, that was really, really young. How old do you think you were when you got that message? I mean, I was probably middle school, probably okay. 11, 12 years old. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember particularly internalizing that so much, but I do kind of feel like the waves of that now where I'm like, if I'm not the best, what am I, do why do I bother? Yeah. Right. So if you're not first, you're last. If you're not first, you're last. Exactly. Yeah. And I find myself doing that in my head a lot where I'll be like, mm -hmm. okay, well like, okay, you're fine at hair, I guess, but you're never going to be the best at that or makeup or photography or writing or playing video games, whatever it is that I decide to spend my time doing. If I'm not the best, why why? Why would I do it at all? And girl, I so, feel that that is yes, some Capricorn exactly, energy totally. for me, but <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you ever pick up on that Jessica when you were growing up? Yeah, for sure. For growing up in the, um, entertainment industry, sort of, you know, I danced from the time I was three till I was in college and I still do it every now and then now, um, being in theater, you know, when you're constantly auditioning, you know, for things, it's like, you know, you may be completely talented and, you know, you may have the right, you know, choreography, or, you know, but if you're not tall enough, yeah. you know, you could be like the best dancer out there, but if you're not, I forgot what the requirement was, but if you're not five, eight or five, nine, you can't be a rocket. Well, you know, like that the Rockettes have to be a certain height right. because of the choreography that it visually has to line up and in the right weight. Yes. And the right weight yeah. and all that. So I grew up with a little bit of that, like being in the dance and theater world. But I just remember um, growing up, my mom worked for an insurance company and she was VP of um, human resources. And she mostly worked in a male dominated situation, but which is funny because I work in a women dominated industry, Best believe, but, yeah. um, my mom always taught me like, don't cry. Don't get emotional. Don't let men see yeah. like <laughs> Danielle's looking at me like, well, that explains a That's lot about interesting. you. Um, <laughs> never heard that one before. You know, like, um, that my mom just taught me, like, you kind of have to be stone-faced around men. Otherwise, yes. like, in the workplace, at least, they're going to take advantage of emotions and all that kind of stuff. Um, and that emotional women don't 
makeup. I mean, you know what, though? Mm. I can't (laughs) say that that was unrealistic advice that your mom gave you, you you know, know, like, well, that's how I took it. Like, she's probably listening like, that is not what I said, but (laughs) that's, that's how I internalized it. That's so interesting that we have similar experiences, Mm -hmm. but that they are like nuanced in different ways. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of feedback that we got from listeners about, cause you know, we put it out there about what type of things have you experienced with a culture of competition between women? Because when we first brought it up as a podcast topic, I was like, well, is it just me? <laughs> like maybe, <laughs> like, wait, maybe I'm just competitive. I'm feeling <laughs> like people have called me competitive before. Like I really care about winning, you know, like that maybe that's just a Laurie trait and not like a lady trait, but we did get some feedback. Um, and again, anytime we get listener feedback, it's never anything that I had really thought of before. One was a uh, competition between sisters that I can see that, which I don't have a biological sister. So I don't know firsthand about that. One. You I'm are the only, only one. here. Um, okay. Yeah. So they were talking about standing out to like make better grades or who does this better? Who does that? But you know, like if you were in a club or so that sister competition was a thing, which you could definitely speak to, I guess. I mean, it's, it's interesting because now my sister and I are best friends. Yeah. So that's funny. Um, we did share a room that always keeps tension high. Um, but I did find that we went to complete opposite sides of the social spectrum. So she was very much more of the artsy creative. She wasn't going to join a team of, you know, she wasn't going to join the swim team or the water polo team with me. And she actually ended up transferring schools to go to a different school. So we had a lot less direct competition. We're only two years apart. She's two years younger. Um, but I, I feel that there was a little bit of that in, in, in growing up and becoming adults together. Um, we have talked quite a bit about, oh, well, I was so jealous of this, of you. And you were jealous of this, of me. How did, you know, she was like, oh, but your body looked so much better. And I was like, I was playing sports six days a week. Like it makes sense. Um, but I was always jealous of the creativity and the art that she made and Which is so funny how funny she was a creative person. Danielle. <laughs> You're so artsy. Well, yes. And we literally switched gears on that because now I'm in a creative field and now she's going into personal training. Okay. Oh, funny. <laughs> so here we are. Dynamic. Um, I mean, and maybe that was just to avoid competition when we were younger. I don't know that she wouldn't have joined a team, but the fact that she was under my shadow, maybe she was like, I don't want to go there and be compared. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I can see that being there for her. Um, and then recently she got married. She's two years younger. I'm not bitter. <laughs> not really. Um, but a lot of people have asked me like, well, well, when are you getting married? Like your, your younger sister got married before you. And I'm like, I hate that. For I hate you. that question. I, don't, I hate it. I hate I'm like, that and for you. I've, I've been dating with, I've been dating Brandon for seven years officially now. Um, and she and her man started dating like five years ago. Like it's a normal timeline for anybody. Aubrey and I were together for eight years years before we got married. Yeah. Like, and it doesn't, it doesn't affect me in that way because I'm not competing. I'm not worried about is my wedding going to be better than everybody else is, you know, if I'm married last, is anybody going to care? I don't care. (laughs) I don't care. And I don't have that competition with her at least. Right. Well, and you and Brandon are. Totally are, happy and like basically married. I was anyway. about to say in like, Texas, I got news for you. Y'all are, are already you married. Are married. Okay. Like, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> okay. So the other feedback we got was um, competing for men's attention. Like when a group of friends all goes out and there's the one hot guy that everybody thinks is hot, kind of like fighting and winning for his affection. Uh, the listener that sent this in also commented at the end, by the way, I won that guy and I married him. <laughs> And so I loved that. I was like, you get it, girl. She's like, the competition works. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Weeded out the week. So competition for men is definitely something that I've uh, experienced. Same. um, But never felt good about. Like it always had like an icky, gross feeling that you cared that much. And I don't know, like I've always got the... um, girls first mentality, you know, like where you would never put ovaries before broveries. Ovaries before broveries. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you, Amy Poehler. Um, That it's really important to back up your lady friends before you allow uh, a significant other to get into the middle of that. 
but in the culture of competition between women, it's like, we almost can't help it. You know, um, there Deuteruses was a- before Deuteruses. That's another one. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> yes. I think that one's my favorite. Um, that's definitely my favorite. And then there's the competition with new moms. Mm. competing Mm. for your baby's milestones, who's handling the transition to motherhood best. My kid walked first, my kid talked first, you know, like that, um, there is this competition to be the perfect mom, which I know that Jessica, you can probably speak to a little bit. So stupid. I I literally just listened to the comparison episode on my way here. And I was like, how fitting that that is what I listened to before this. And I'm like, that's exactly right. Like, yeah, I, I don't know how anybody deals with the, the snapshot perfect image that people put out and you just have to look at your everyday life and you're like, how do I compete with that? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. And the answer is you don't, man, I'm telling you parenting in a, like in an internet blogging age, I'm so jealous of my parents and all our parents, you know, that, um, our parents didn't have blogs in the internet to be like, you know, if you're not, you know, breastfeeding, cloth diapering, you know, your kid, then, oh my God, it's, that's a whole other episode, actually. That's it a really, really good is. idea. It's a good idea. Thank you, okay. listener, We're for do that. new mom competition. But yeah, I even experience it behind the chair, sometimes with people's grandkids. You know, um, I have a guest who talks about her grandkids a lot and she'll always ask like, well, when did Adelaide blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you know, it's funny how you forget as yeah. time goes on. That's <laughs> how insignificant it is, you know, mm-hmm. that it's like, I don't know, anywhere from six months to 18 months. <laughs> like, you know, she started doing that. Um, she did it before she know. was four. Right. <laughs> she did it before she was four because that's where we are now. Right. That's all I can tell you. It's just really interesting. Um, the last one that I thought was really cool was that sometimes competition equals comparison and that in our minds, we think other people are better at something, motherhood, dating, crafting, whatever it is. And that builds up in our mind instead of why we feel vulnerable about that thing. Oh yeah. So that you just assume that everybody else is a better mom than you are and that they're doing a better job and that you are so focused on that aspect that you can't really turn it back around and be like, why do I feel vulnerable about my momming? You know, and that that's really the trick to not feeling that competition between you and other people. Yeah, and that goes to a lot of things. I could say hairdressers. Yeah. Makeup yep. artists. Yeah. You know, um, so-and-so is better at, you know, highlighting and toning than I am. Yeah. Or, you know, better at Jessica's better at that sharp cuts. wing than um, me. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Jessica's eyeliner is a constant topic. Uh, it is. I, like I said, I just heard you talk about it, so I had to. You had to. So I guess the other thing that I'm noticing big time about this culture of competition is that it is something that is starting to um, pivot and shift in the world from my perspective. Um, and I think I notice it a lot because we work in an industry where I always tell people, I used to be the youngest girl that worked in a space with people all older than I am. And then all of a sudden in the blink of an eye, I'm like the oldest person working in a space with all people younger than me. I'm starting to see how different things are on this generally generational level. Um, and this term love cat that we used in the title, like, I don't know that I had ever really understood what that meant or who that was until we were blessed with Danielle. Seriously. Um, it makes it sound like I was birthed into the salon. I mean, <laughs> kind of were, right? Uh, the, Danielle has this way of um, sharing and expressing and showing love to other women um, that if it had happened like 15 years ago, that you might've thought she was hitting on you, (laughs) but that today you can see that it's like just this truly genuine platonic affection that she has for other women in her orbit. And she wants them to know how truly badass and awesome they are. They look, they did their hair today. They're, you know, like their outfits on point and it doesn't. And I've said this before that, and 
before I really got into this love cat zone, that when women would compliment me, sometimes it came off kind of condescending or not genuine, you know, like they were saying it just because they were trying to be nice, but not because oh, they really meant I it. I like your makeup. Yeah. Mm, I like mm. your hair. Yeah. It always starts um, with them. Oh, mm. you look cute today. Like it's yeah. just, there was just something about it that wasn't yeah. real, but that when Danielle says it, you know. Oh, you know. With every fiber of her being. <laughs> that she truly believes what she's telling you. It so. also helps, I think, the up and down look I'll give you oh, yes. and, the, and the hand the motions hands. and be like you, the just the full gesture, whatever. I yes. mean, you can walk in the door and she's like, damn, <laughs> check that out. I'm loving like, And it does feel so different to me because I'm just not used to that much constant feedback. Yes. And, and because we work together, it's like on a daily basis, you know? And so. I have to say, whenever Danielle is not in the salon, if you're out sick or you're back home visiting, you know, up in Michigan, I'm always like, where's my gonna, compliment? Who's who's going to call me a hot ass bitch today? <laughs> like, That'd be me. Who's going to tell me my ass looks amazing in these leggings? I'm going to need these this. Like, leggings. <laughs> the moto leggings are amazing. So yeah, that we can go from this place where um, I feel like I'm constantly in competition with women about how I look, how I behave, how my career is going, how I act. And then we come full circle to this 25 year old who's blowing my mind in 2020. Yes. That is really sh shifting this idea of we don't have to be competitive with each other at that level. What mm -hmm. we can do is constantly inflate one another and lift each other up. And that that is a big change in this dynamic of the culture of competition between women that the love cat generation is crushing this old dynamic and really rebuilding a new way for women to relate to each other, whether it is in friendship or in work environments or in any environment that that is your knee jerk reaction is to love and embrace each other instead of judge and knock each other down a notch to make you feel better about yourself. And I got to say from the outside looking in, the friendships that I see you cultivate, and I'll just point it out, like with Alana mm -hmm. in the salon, um, make me so happy that like, I want to cry. It's a warm These fuzzy, two, yeah. it is, I almost wish we would have asked Alana to be on. That would have been so fun. Oh, I mean, but we maybe need to do that. At some maybe point. we do I mean, at some point, but. Let me come back with Alana. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, it's just so sweet to see. And, um, and I just love it because you and Alana really, in perspective of a lifetime, haven't known each other for that no. long that, that I can talk to Laurie like that or my um, other best friend, Jackie like that, but I've been best friends with Jackie since the seventh grade. I've known Laurie for 11 going on 12 years that you and Alana really have known each other for what, maybe three, three years and, that, and not even that close. I mean, we were acquaintances in cosmetology school and I would compliment her on the daily. Obviously yeah. she's stunning. She's fantastic. Um, yes. But I, I mean, we were kind of in passing and I would, you know, Hey, wow, that haircut you did was incredible. And I mean, it wasn't like a close friendship. We had gone out to, um, the bar like once with a group and then didn't really see her again until we did the guest artist at Paul Mitchell. And mm -hmm. she you and I did that us. one. We yeah. Sure did. Yeah. Yeah, it's just, it's so sweet to see. I love it. So hashtag friendship goals. Hashtag friendship goals, yes. <laughs> I guess the uh, the other piece about this that is really resonating with me is that when you find your lady tribe, yes. you know, um, and for those of you that have listened to the podcast up to this point, you know that we really are trying to foster this community where we can support each other and that everybody on a bigger scale can feel the support that we have with each other. But that when you have people that are genuinely affectionate with you, and when I mean affection, I mean like the first thing that I get from Danielle on the daily is a hug, you know, like that, that there is a, um, a touchy feely aspect about it, which I am also a touchy feely person, Jessica, not, I am not so much. much, you know, like <laughs> I know don't hug Jessica first thing in the morning. Right. Just, just tell her that I got her a warm up nice to it. Pants. You can <laughs> totally tell me that 
my ass looks rocking, but don't <laughs> hug me, please. <laughs> there's, but the, there's the compliments. There's the genuine love. There's the high five for what a good job you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. like that. that is um, something that we all so desperately need. But that's also just coming at us on a daily basis, you know, for the three of us that work together. It's great on a consistent basis, but it is so critical when things are hard yes, and when life is stressful and when you're going through something personal, you know, or if you're going through something collectively as humanity, which I feel like we are, you know, in this time that to know that there are people that get you and that are going to allow you to feel how you need to feel, vent, get it out, you know, cry, do whatever it is that's coming at you, that you feel supported and loved and safe to do that is the difference between having an absolute nervous breakdown in times of crisis and getting through to the other side. Because I have had times in my life and most of these times I was probably a lot closer to my early twenties, you know, than where I'm at now where I just felt like there wasn't anybody that understood, um, where I was coming from and that, I may not maybe didn't even understand where I was coming from, but that now I have enough people in my world where I, um, I know no matter what I'm loved unconditionally for those Mm -hmm. things, you know, and if I need to have that vulnerable moment or I need to crack and cry about it, that I am supported and loved. And that, that is, you know, just speaking to, um, things like suicide rates and, you know, like people really feeling lost, like there is no other alternative. It's fostering that kind of relationship between women that's going to save us as a collective, you know, and that we, that this love cat generation kind of knocking away this competition between women where now we're not against each other. Now we're united and trying to create something together. And that that is really, uh, magical and awesome. And I don't even know if you realize that that's what you're doing. I mean, I honestly didn't up Do until you? you guys brought this like, up. Are you conscious and gave of this? Me, you know? <laughs> and you guys gave me like a whole complex because you were, because of that question you asked me that you were like, well, as a generation, like, when do you think this change? And I was like, I have absolutely no idea. Like, I don't know when I started this. I don't know when it got to this place of, I'm not going to like, hold this jealousy, this competition inside of me, but instead just appreciate women for their differences, their flaws, whatever, because we're, we all have them. Yeah. There's no point there's, it costs me nothing to appreciate you for what you are and where you are. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, no, it, it's so refreshing. You know, I just, it, it, it really is refreshing. And I guess the biggest part of that for me that makes me a little bit emotional, like the more I think about it is that I can't say that I ever felt that way when I was 25, you know, like that my outlook on needing to be the best or needing to be the prettiest or needing to be the most successful or the thinnest or the best at whatever it was like was so much more important to me than making sure other people felt that love, you know, and it was very ego driven, you know, and mm-hmm. very, um, ingrained in me. Cause I wanted to be relevant, you know, like yeah. I wanted to be, um, I had this huge idea of the pedestal, you know, that I was trying to crawl up to. And that now I see that, uh, getting there, you only get there together. You know, like that if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, you go together. And that amen. Um, women going together is how we get to this place that I always thought I was trying to get to alone. You know, that that did not work. I might add, you yeah. know, that that did not get me what I was looking for. Um, but this gets you somewhere. So, yeah. Danielle, just out of curiosity, like, you know, Laurie and I are older than you are. So we're seeing this generational shift, but like, when were you always like this? Like, I think you'll have to ask the people around me because I, (laughs) like I said, I don't recognize the moment that things changed for me. Um, I do think it was kind of a gradual process. There were definitely years where I was like much more bitter about other women and it was like a competition. You know, I went to college, I was in high school, I was on sports teams. There was a lot of competition between women that it was all collaboratively 
but I mean, I was still competing to be, you know, the best water polo player on my team so that I could make the most goals so that we could win. But it was for us. But I still wanted that for me. I I guess that's strange. Um, It was for a collective mentality of like, yes, I want to be my best so that we can be our best. Yeah. Um, And then the team has to thank you for it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) But I think that there has definitely been a gradual point um, when I started seeing a lot more advertisements, makeup ads. I mean, Rihanna, Savage Fenty. Yes. Savage Fenty. We were talking about this. Yes. I I had to talk about this with um, one of our front desk girls, Caitlin and Alana, while they were over at my house this weekend. Um, And like Aries, no retouching campaign Mm -hmm. really hit hard with me. But also I recognized that when I was growing up, I remember there being three options, having no style or being poor, which right. Yeah. Um, and there was the kind of alternative, like band t-shirts and black jeans, ripped jeans, the hot topic, the, the emo or scene crowd where they had skinny, skinny legs and they could wear whatever they wanted because their bodies fit into it. Or there was the Aeropostale, there was the preppy girls and there was Abercrombie. Thank you. I, I couldn't, we couldn't afford those. I never was able to buy those. We shopped at Walmart. That wasn't an issue for me. I didn't completely separate myself, but I never felt that I fit into any of the molds that were set for me. And so I was like, all right, well, my Walmart clothes say that I don't make money. So therefore I can't be one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and when the advertising and marketing started to change and include more aesthetics, more types of bodies, more types of a wider range, a wider range. I mean, I spend a lot of time on TikTok, as Jessica probably knows, because I send her. TikToks <laughs> we just send each other TikToks every day. Yeah. Um, I follow so many either body positivity. I follow sex workers. I follow strippers. I follow girls Same. who are. completely different from me and, and being able to appreciate them in a different way, because I'm not going to look at the girl who is, you know, a size two and say, well, that's how I want to look, but I can go, she looks great in that. There's, oh my God, I wish that I knew the, the, um, at of this girl, but there is a woman who is plus size and there is her good friend who is very, very thin. And they each try on the same outfit. I've seen them. You know who they are. I know who you're talking you about. You guys will have to list them when yes. we find them. Okay. Because every time I see that, I just feel so good because I don't think that we see not just the comparison, but the like solidarity yes. with them that yeah. their bodies are completely different and people could be like oh well her body is way too big for that or that mm-hmm. girl does not have any boots no, i don't ma'am. know why she's wearing that top but they each look incredible in so, these yeah, outfits it's it's these this pair of friends who they buy the exact same clothing but one is like a size four or six i don't know she's yeah, like she's small. super small and then the other is like you know i I, I'm not going to guess her size. I, I'm. It, it's a plus size range, you know. Um, but yeah, it's so cute, and that they mostly you're both. You're like they both look good. Exactly. Damn, they both look great. Well, and to speak to the Lizzo conversation, though, exactly, yes, they exactly. look great because they feel great, and it's a inside thing that you're seeing, you know, like that you have to really love and embrace what's going on with you to project that through TikTok, you know, yes. and, um, I love that, that they're doing that. I'm like, maybe we should try that. Yeah. Right. That would be so fun. That would Can be we fun, get matching outfits? I mean, yes. Yes. Matching outfit. I mean, we're kind of matching right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Listen, I haven't got my shirt. <laughs> so the other thing that I have really focused on personally, probably the last 10 years or so. And I think maybe it's something that both of you have always done as well is, really call out people on their self-deprecating remarks Um, Mm -hmm. because we're all guilty of saying something that isn't representative of how awesome we are, you know? And Mm -hmm. I know for me, it 
used to always be about the the big ass and thighs, you know, that I was like, oh my God, I've just got so much, you know, like junk. I can't even get into the skinny jeans or yeah. I'm, or there have definitely been times where I'm like, I don't wear jeans at all because I don't want something squeezing me, you know, mm-hmm. like until I can't breathe anymore. And that it used to be, um, that when you had those self-deprecating remarks, that it meant that you were humble as yeah. a woman, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that mm-hmm. you were willing to call out your insecurities. So that meant you weren't a snob. Yeah. And that now that. I, I see that Amen. as a completely, <laughs> yeah, like that's totally not true. And that when I do it, I try and stop myself. But definitely when I hear other people say, oh my gosh, I did the stupidest thing today. You know, like, I'm like, uh, 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 no, no. like we don't call no, ourselves stupid we around, don't here. Say that like, around here. <laughs> that is not okay. And how many people do that unconsciously over and over and over and over and over again, you know, like where if I called them out every time, they'd never get a word in. Cause I'd be like, stop it. You yeah. know? Um, so let's talk a little bit about self-deprecating humor, you know? So my latest thing is you know, I, I follow a lot of, um, plus sized models and influencers, I guess on Instagram and TikTok. And a conversation that's happening a lot lately is when, um, someone just states I'm fat and the person follows up with, you're not fat. You're beautiful. Ugh. yeah. Ouch. That is the worst thing you could say to someone. Mm -hmm. First of all, And like we said in our last episode, we're going to have a body, you know, image episode coming. It's just a matter of scheduling. So in the coming months, we're going to be talking to, you know, someone really amazing on this topic. But that by saying you're not fat, you're beautiful is saying you cannot be fat and And beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. When there are a ton of beautiful amazing, wonderful, fucking badass women out there who are in fact fat. Right. Mm -hmm. I also, you know, and we were talking about just doing the research on this episode that we have coming up, um, that being fat, like the word fat is something that's kind of been reclaimed by the plus size community here for it. And I did not know this, you know? And so I found myself, yeah, thick. thick. Yes. Yes. Um, which, you know, a lot of times they're dropping the K. With thick, yes. you know, no, like it is that three thick C's. with the C there is, is a, three a totally C's. different There thing. are no K's involved. I'm not that old. Okay. Like I know that much. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this idea that claim, reclaiming words that were, cause before, and I am of the generation, like you would, I would never call somebody fat, mm-hmm. but that there's a lot of women in this plus size community that calling them fat, like saying I'm fat is something that they're choosing to reclaim. And they'd it. almost rather be called fat than plus sized a lot of times. And yeah. so, yeah, just navigating that whole thing and learning yeah. more about it. Um, I feel a lot more educated on it and that that's not self-deprecating. Yes. But that is choosing to embrace, you know, like where you're at and that you don't need, um, people to put a marker on what it is that you call yourself, that you can call yourself mm-hmm. whatever you want if you're comfortable with it. Yeah. Um, but I also think that we, we've talked a lot about looks. I really have a hard time with the, I'm so stupid or, mm-hmm. oh my God, I'm such an idiot. I did this, you know? Like, I say the idiot line I know you do. on the weekly. She's talking about me. And it kills me. <laughs> like, come on, call Stop out. It. <laughs> um, that a lot of times our self-deprecating humor isn't about the way we look. It is about the way we are or about our mentality or about... Um, a lot of times just about how smart and capable we are as women. And that, that I think is a totally different type of self-deprecation, you know, where it Mm -hmm. almost makes an excuse for why I'm not good enough. I'm not enough, you know, like Mm -hmm. this message of I'm enough is something that comes up so much. I feel like in this time that we're in, uh, that your words are powerful. Right. So it's basically mm -hmm. like saying, don't expect too much from me because I'm an idiot. Because I'm an idiot. Yeah. And that's just who I am. So you're going to deal with it. Yeah. Um, Do you think it helps when somebody calls you out on that? Yes. Yes. hundred percent. Okay. I love it when you Um, guys call me out on that, when I'm like, oh my God, I'm the biggest idiot. (laughs) I just, and both of you will be like, no, Uh ma'am, not in this house. That's not how we roll. I love it. I feel like I call Alana out a good amount. And it's not always like with anybody around, but she'll say something about herself. And I'm like, no, Mm -mm. 
We're not doing that. You're talking and about my I best will... friend there. Yeah. Yes, I was ma'am. like, I'm sorry. You can't say that to my best friend. Yeah. <laughs> no, ma'am. I love that. So, sweet. so if we're talking about moving forward with breaking down this competitive culture between women and really getting into the space where we fully are like embracing where another one is uh, trying to do, what are ways, you know, we were speaking at the beginning of the episode about like rating and reviewing our podcast. Mm hmm. And that never in my life until we started doing this, have I written so many reviews for other people's businesses? Have I, you know, liked and commented on posts? Have I invested money in something that somebody else is trying to promote? Like when you start doing something like this, that it takes on a whole new life to truly support other people in their ventures. Um, Besides doing that, what are things that we can do to really help move forward this idea of changing the way that women relate to each other and turning it into something where um, this culture of competition between women is, I'll just go out there and say it. It was a patriarchy, you know, type of thing that if they were too powerful when we are united. Mm hmm we get shit done. Okay. Like we take over certain industries and businesses and political situations, you know, like, so I'm acutely aware of how it got to the place that I saw it, you know, as I was growing up, Mm -hmm. I'm really committed because I have so many young ladies and littles, you know, in my life that I want to make sure don't have to contend with that kind of resistance as they grow up in the world. What can we do to make sure that we push this, future forward for women that we are all embracing one another and that we don't have that weird competitive thing. Like there's not enough success, love, happiness to go around for all of us. I think that that is kind of a combination of being vulnerable with the ladies around you and accepting people when they are at their worst and accepting people. I mean, it's, it's really, it all starts with you. If you're going to sit there and you're going to talk down to yourself all day long and then you're going to compliment the next girl, that doesn't do anything for you because you're still in that place of comparison. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, you look incredible. But also like, oh, my God, I couldn't even get my eyebrows on matching today. They they're supposed to be twins today, but they're not. (laughs) Um, And I think that that has has kind of just now been been moving away and. I, I don't have one reason, one, or, uh, one path to do that. I think that using the people in your life that you already love, that you already support, and then just letting that spread out from there. Like, obviously you guys see me every day with, you know, all of my compliments and all of my supporting you and and everything you do. But you know, I want my guests to feel that everybody yeah. who sits yes. in my chair to feel that man. It's and she does y'all, do you want to feel good. You go to Danielle's chair. She'll <laughs> compliment you. you up and down. Well, and in a few short years has built the kind of business to prove that, you know, like yes. I not, I'm not a hairdresser, but I've watched a lot of hairdressers grow businesses over the last several years. And what I will say is that people come back to you because of the way you make them feel. Right. It has a lot to do with the hair, but it has way more to do with how they feel when they get out of that chair and your clients feel loved and they feel like they, they'll forget what you said. Yes. They'll never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. Um, I think there was a couple of stylists who like over the course of, you know, from cosmetology school to now that it somehow made that into my everyday where it was like, Exactly. If you make them feel good, they'll keep coming back to you. Even, I mean, they don't care how their hair looks at that point. (laughs) Like if they love you and they know that you care about them, they know you're going to do your best. They know that they are going to feel good every time they leave. And that's something that I definitely strive for on the daily. It's so powerful. And that's not something that I went into my career knowing or feeling. I was so focused on technical, you know, and that I eventually, after so many years of talking to people and having people come back is that, you know, for the most part, people know and understand that we're only human. Yeah. For the most part. (laughs) Yeah. For the most part. Um, we have talked about my robotic tendencies, you know, but that, um, but that 
at the end of the day, if you just make people feel good, is that they'll come back, even if it's, you know, not the exact tone of color, you know, that they were expecting. They also know that, you know, through consultation that not everything is totally scientifically possible mm-hmm. as far as that goes. You mean I can't have a Snapchat filter on my hair? Oh my God. I I'm going to just buy a wig. I'm going to buy wigs and hand them to everybody. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I wanted to point something out. Um, okay. We didn't start the episode with this and we actually never even talked about it. But if anyone is curious where this love cat idea came yes, from. Yes, I, I was so know. curious. Okay, so... A few years ago at William Edge Tribal Forum, we had a speaker named Tim Sanders. God, Tim he was, was so fun and so wonderful. Um, he is a New York Times bestselling author um, and is just like a business guy in general. Google him, look him up. He's really great. So he has this book called Love is the Killer App. Yeah. And um, so I'm reading from a Forbes magazine article says, how can you become a love cat to succeed in the new world of work? What does it mean to become a love cat in business? The idea of love at work can conjure up the image of a touchy feely, frivolous and emotional environment, but love in business doesn't mean that you have to start holding hands all day. In fact, infusing love into your leadership and work models can not only improve morale, but it does wonders for the bottom line. Um, and so this, this Forbes article just goes into, it's a whole interview about, um, being a love cat. And so it was from Tim Sanders. That's where we got this idea from. I had forgotten. I mean, I've read that book, but I had forgotten. Read love is the killer. I app. have, um, I read it right after Tim came and did tribal form with us, but I had forgotten about the whole love cat thing coming from that. I knew it was something that I had heard. I thought y'all made it up. We did not. Oh, I wish not I made a, it I up. didn't know because I heard you guys say it on the first episode and you had like mentioned it to me before. And I was like, what in the world is a love cat? Oh, and then they were like, you definition of Danielle. <laughs> Danielle is a love cat. Um, yes. I want to circle back to, you know, when I asked you what we could do to move this forward for future generations. Mm-hmm. And you were talking about just being vulnerable and mm-hmm. showing that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I think without even recognizing it, that you hit the nail on the head with that. Because in a time when, and I I speak a lot, like maybe when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, like I don't ever remember women showing vulnerability. Amen. It was just this picture perfect, my life is fine. Stepford wife. My Yes, Ooh, yes. Yeah. My, my home is fine. My children are fine. My marriage is fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. You know, mm-hmm. like, no, I, of course I iron my sheets. You know, like, of <laughs> course. I, no, I mean, women used to iron bed sheets. And so they would be perfect <laughs> hospital like, corners. Not, you know, like. I'm not about that life. That, that goal and level of perfection that. In reality, if I think about it now, I would have known that none of that was real, but I didn't know that. And so when you grow up and you have this, like, you don't look behind the curtain. You only see what I allow you to see that women had this, I do it all. I have no emotion. I'm here for it. Like they were strong and they were fierce, but under the water, they were drowning, you know, and that's interesting that you have to be vulnerable and show people and show younger generations, no, I don't have it all together. Like there is imperfection here. <laughs> have you guys seen um, the cover for Whitney Cummings book? No. Oh my gosh. Maybe. I, okay. Later. But I love Got Whitney it. Cummings. So Whitney Cummings. She's great. She's so wonderful. She wrote a book and the cover is a picture of her, but the water is like up to her eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. And the title of the book, ugh, people are going to call me out on this. It's something like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. Or, um, it's, it's something like that. And I look at that cover of that book and I'm like, I feel that totally where you feel like you're drowning. But, um, that's one that I need to read actually. But, um, I just wanted to add a little bit to this conversation about how we change this. And I do think that it is with younger generations, um, being that I have a little, I have a daughter, um, 
doing this podcast and raising a four-year-old is really interesting <laughs> because she's starting to read. Yeah. And so um, I was telling Laurie oh a little bit ago that she saw, I don't know, um, something with Badass Ladies Club on it. Oh, yeah. I knew this was coming. Um, and I should have thought about this a long time ago. <laughs> I just didn't. And so she was sounding it out. Badass. Badass. Oh, sweet baby. You know? Yes. <laughs> and, um, that should be her first, like, whole <laughs> phrase that she reads yes. is badass ladies. I'm so, going to say right now, Auntie Laurie is so proud. So yes. so she said badass. And I was like, yeah, so this is mommy's podcast. You know, she knows that I do a podcast. And I said, it's called Badass Ladies Club. And um, so she, um, I had to explain to her that badass is a good bad word. That it's not... <laughs> It's not necessarily bad. It's actually a compliment in most situations and how a four-year-old understands this. I probably went way over her head, but I was like, but it's not really appropriate for you to say. I think that's good. So I was like, so maybe you just say it around mommy, but we don't say it around other people, you know, that it's, it's okay if you say it here, but not really like in public, please don't let people judge me for my parenting skills. Um, and immediately like Aaron was with her and he called me and he was like, so guess what your daughter just said? And I was like, no, that she was on the phone playing some game or something. And she goes, she's a badass. Yes. <laughs> I was like, okay, but am I really mad at that? No, no. not really. Um, because she used it in the correct context. Yes. Like, and as a compliment yes. and, Oh my gosh, my parents and her in-laws are probably, or my in-laws are probably listening to this. Like <laughs> it was what? you, it was you who did it. But, um, anyway, I am really happy and grateful and excited to be raising Adelaide in, um, in this way that, you know, I love having Danielle around Adelaide and I love having Laurie around Adelaide and just having her see that, um, we can love on each other and that it does take a tribe and, um, that I, I want her to grow up that way. Yeah. And so I'm really excited about it. I, I want to go back to your point of like when growing up, how you were used to this picture, perfect, like image. Um, my fabulous mom, Madeline is even more emotional than I am. What? If y'all can imagine, I mean, you I, came from somewhere. I, <laughs> Used to make the biggest jokes about her crying at Bambi, which she's a mom. Yeah. The mama deer died. Bambi's Sorry, really spoiler sad, alert. Okay, yeah. But it, it used to make me laugh so hard because I was like, mom, why is it that important? And, and, but seeing her vulnerable wasn't, wasn't out of the normal for me. And I mean, there were plenty of things that like now that I'm a grown up, that I can look back and go, oh, okay. So we, we may have had money problems at this point and that's why you were so upset. But in the moment I was just like, Oh, like mom's upset because of something. Can we make her feel better? Yeah. And I think that's what I was used to growing up to. Not that my mom's a crybaby. It wasn't really the thing, but, um, I mean, I, it wasn't uncommon of me to see my mom and her sisters. Oh shoot revelation. That's probably what it is. That is what yeah. it is. My mom's family. Um, we were with them all the time. Um, her sisters and her would, I mean, every chance we got to spend with our big Irish Catholic family, we were always there. I had 17 first cousins and we would get together as often as possible. We used to have five or six families at this little two bedroom cabin. People were out in camping gear and, you know, my mom and her sisters would really just have that emotional connection all the time. And I grew up seeing that kind of relationship with them. And I think that's what really did it for me that we were just a really close family growing up and, you know, being far away now is like, uh, so it's, it's <laughs> kind of distant. You. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's also so indicative though, that you saw that vulnerability, which gave you permission to be vulnerable, which gives you permission to be the love cat today. 
Ari Wallace. I mean, <laughs> it, Ari always makes Danielle cry. It's the eye contact for it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean know to that make she people sees cry. Me. Like it's for where I'm at in any situation. Dang it! I wasn't supposed to cry today. <laughs> it's okay. Nobody can see. Cry. Nobody can see. It's okay. That's why we like podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> can I put my makeup on for y'all too? Know, it's all right. So, yeah, I love, I love, love, love you. And you. I'm so excited about what you're representing for me. You know, like I already know that you're such an awesome influence on your circle of friends and the people in your world. But I'm telling you, like you're inspiring uh, people that are 20 older years older than you. than you right now, you know. Um, so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> and the fact that you're doing all of that, like pretty much unconsciously just being who you are makes it that much more badass in my opinion. So, uh, I'm really grateful for you in my life, but I'm also crazy grateful for you on our team at work because I feel like salon cultures, and I've been a part of a lot of them in my career, you know, like lots of different salons, lots of different teams in the same salon, you know, like things shift, um, as people come and go from teams. Uh, but one thing that I know will not shift with the team that we have now is this culture of love and understanding and acceptance because we just will not accept anything less. Um, there are more of us than there are of them all yes. of a sudden. And that as long as we can keep to um, this idea that we're all in this together, like you're you're part of making that. So I'm crazy grateful for that in our world. Same. Um, I mean, y'all have been such a huge influence on me because of, you know, tribal forum. And obviously Billy is a huge part of that yes. as well because he created us as a unit. Totally. But I mean, on the daily, you are there to emotionally and, you know, technically talk us through how to handle situations. And that yeah. means a lot to me because I know that even when I have a breakdown at work, because I do, obviously I'm crying on a podcast. I can cry anywhere. Um, but like that kind of support that I feel from you and then, you know, the girls that, you know, I, I give compliments and that I love on during the day, like they are also in that space. Like you did this for me. Why would I not support you through this trouble yeah, yeah. and Jessica you're always busy at work and I love you so much I know I'm usually behind the chair when <laughs> breakdowns happen but there was you there know, was one there was one you were there for me where I, I was you. like what do you need <laughs> I'll go get anything what do you need so I really I do try but and, I know Laurie is there for you and lot. I know that like that robot thing that I had heard since I started I was like I don't really see that sure she's very technical she not that you're stone faced. I don't feel that from you. I, I sit one chair away from you. I see every day and I hear every day you loving on your guests in not maybe the same way as me, but like mm -hmm. you care. And maybe that's what other people in the salon may not have heard before. But when, with me being so close, I was like, Jessica really like, you know, what is that embracing is? it in a different way. You're paying attention. Like you're listening and leaning in to what she's doing. So mm -hmm. you feel the love and you feel the care. The people that don't see that are just looking from the outside in that place of comparison and judgment. Mm. Jessica's busy. Jessica's successful. Jessica makes more money. Jessica had charges more money for haircut, you know, like, and so then it all becomes about the cult. What, why is she doing better than me? And the robot thing comes up with that because that's an easy knee jerk reaction to fall in. But when you lean in and you pay attention and you listen, mm -hmm. you know why. Yeah. Because you know why. Yeah. yeah. I know why her guests will pay for her haircuts Absolutely. when they are, you know, a good amount higher than the lowest we have. Like I, I would, if I had the money, I would get my haircut yeah. by you and pay for it every time. There, and it's the way they feel when they Absolutely. get out of that chair. Yeah. That's all it is. Um, so let's have a cheers to. Uh, cheers. Let's break down this culture of competition between uh, women. Yeah, ladies. 
We uh, appreciate you guys joining us today. Get on all your socials and like, share with all of your badass lady friends. Let's move this love cat generation forward and make sure that if somebody's ass looks great, that you tell them their ass looks great. Okay? Be a Danielle. Like, and be Lizzo. more like Danielle. And I need you to fully commit. I need you to lock eyes with that person. I want you to look them up and down, gesture to their entire body, look back in their eyes and be like, you look incredible. This is the best thing I've ever seen today. Like, I like fully commit. Don't, don't look away. Don't look away. Don't end in that spot that Laurie's talking about. We're like, oh, you look nice. <laughs> Be specific. Make hey, it weird. your eyebrows are great. Yeah. Wow, Jessica, I have not seen your little waist in this dress before. This is incredible. Like, really fully commit and make people feel so special because it costs you nothing. Yes. And also, from a hairdresser perspective, I have so many people sit in my chair and they're like, oh, I saw this girl with this really awesome hair, but I was too nervous to ask her if I could take a picture. I'm like, you go up to her and you say, you look amazing. I love your hair. Can I take your picture to show my hairdresser? Yes. People love that kind of stuff. Yes. And I've had clients be that person and be like, oh my gosh, People took pictures of my hair and I felt so amazing. And, and here's so, Jessica Weckerlin's card. Yes, and here's her card. So it really helps out your hairdressers when you do that. Absolutely. But um, yes, be specific. Be a Danielle. Be a love cat. Can so we end guys. on that? You guys have a great day. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Thank you.